The freedoms that Americans enjoy are not free and can be attributed to the dedicated service and the blood, sweat, and tears of many generations of our nation's military. The Military Hour is dedicated to the servicemen and women, veterans, and their families that have made the sacrifice to defend our Constitution and country. Military service is being part of something that is greater than yourself. General Joseph Dunford, 19th Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And now, it's the Military Hour with your host, Chad. Good afternoon, everybody in America, and good morning to those who are overseas. I am your host, Chad Wooten. Welcome to another episode of the Military Hour. Uh, Been quite busy over the past uh, few weeks, rocking and rolling with Upstate Warrior Solution, trying to get some things taken care of, Uh, just continuing on that effort to make sure that veterans are being attended to in the best way possible. Had some outstanding meetups this uh, past week with some groups from different schools, as well as the VAs and a few other nonprofits and, and the ways that uh, the community is trying to step up to, to help out veterans. So I'm excited to start today off by uh, talking about a location that I went to here a little bit ago. Uh, it's called Drift Float Spa. Uh, it's here in Greenville, South Carolina. It's something I'd heard about a while back and I, I was super curious about because I've always been into trying to find ways to, to prevent myself from being on more meds that the VA stacks on you. Um, and, you know, so whether it's yoga or meditation or different things like that, when I was going through the traumatic brain injury clinic out at uh, Camp Lejeune probably two, three years ago, I, I had a, a really awesome experience doing some um meditation and yoga that was kind of guided practice meditation that helped to bring some of that neuroconductivity back out to the extremities where, where it was lost for those of us who have been injured. So me having my back issues, uh, lower back, upper back, uh, two torn shoulders and, and a traumatic brain injury, I've, I'm constantly on a, on a daily struggle to try and combat whether it's pain I'm going through physically or, you know, some of the depression and anxiety that has carried over from my time in service. Um, so doing different things and finding different ways to, to keep yourself healthy is very important to me. It's very important to the community I surround myself with. Going out to the events that I go to uh, around the nation, different nonprofits, whether it's surf foundations or places to go fishing for veterans down uh, with Colonel Anthony Fernandez and uh, at the, the Purple Heart uh, Project. It, it, well, it's uh, Project Healing Waters, excuse me. Um, you know, he's doing a lot of really good things down there in Florida, getting guys and gals that are uh, their Purple Heart recipients and combat injured um, out on the water. We've got Andy Manzi out there hooking it up with some surfing uh, down on the coast here in, in, uh, in North Carolina and South Carolina doing great things. And it's always been important to me because I knew that no matter what I had going on, no matter the struggle, uh, whether it was inside or physically or, or other, Every time I got out in nature, I found this healing healing effect. So I've always been an advocate for getting outdoors, doing a lot of things, um, hiking mountains, going on boats, swimming, getting in the ocean, whatever you can do. So I found out about this this thing called floating. And floating is uh, you, you basically jump in a big old Epsom salt tub and your body loses the ability to discern between where your skin begins and ends and the water begins and ends because they keep it at, uh, at your body's temperature. And you're in, a, I think there's something like a hundred pounds of Epsom salt in every tub. So you really, you, you float. And what they found and a lot of studies have shown is that by floating, you can, you can help to slow down some of the effects of PTSD and help to reheal some of those neuroconductivity things inside of your brain synapses and, and if you've got a lot of pain going on, the magnesium from the Epsom that you're in is just going to be amazing. And you, you no kidding, lose the ability to, to feel gravity, basically. I mean, it's crazy. So um, it's something I've had on, on, my, uh, on my to-do list for a while. You know, I heard Joe Rogan talking about it a while back. I think he's got a float tank at his house. And, you know, he's, he's a daily floater. And, um, but I, I got connected with this really awesome uh, girl named Kelly. And Kelly lives here locally in Greenville, South Carolina, and runs the Drift float spa here in Greenville. And uh, she, 
she gave me the opportunity to come in and, and do a float and, and see what I thought of it, see how it helped me out. And I, I got to tell you, I walked out of there and one, I lost track of time. I mean, I was, I was initially like super apprehensive thinking that I was going to get claustrophobic and, you know, I'm in this room and it's dark and, you know, I don't know if I wanted to just be in this egg. Well, honestly, it was the most relaxing thing I have done at, in any time that I can remember. I mean, I've, I've never had the ability to really just be only with my thoughts. My pain went away physically and it allowed me to really reconnect with something that I got out of practice with, to be honest. I, I, I didn't do due diligence and my meditation practice has really kind of gone to the wayside. I've been busy, you know, and it's, uh, it, I mean, it's an excuse, but I think that floating is an excellent way to start to get back to some of those good tendencies that can help you to prevent pain, help manage chronic pain, uh, stress, anxiety, depression, PTSD, all that stuff. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to bring Kelly on. Um, she's going to be uh, with us for about the next 20, 30 minutes. And we're just going to be talking about um, the effects, what's good about it, you know, how she came into the world of floating and, uh, and, and what she's learned and how she sees it helping veterans in general. Uh, as always, if you want to call in uh, and have a conversation with Kelly and I, you can hit me up at 646-668-8494. And that's our call-in line. Be happy to take your call, uh, no matter where you're calling from, whether you're in Japan, Germany, here in the States. We, we welcome it. And if I can help you to gain some knowledge for yourself or a loved one uh, that you can take and, and move forward with, that'll help them through some stuff up that's always our mission here uh, with the military hour. So um, I'm going to go ahead and introduce Kelly. Kelly, how are you? I'm doing great, Chad. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Happy to have you on. So, um, you know, I was just kind of giving the listeners a little bit of a rundown of, of how I got connected with you and, you know, how awesome you were for saying, you know, Hey, this, this is something that might benefit you. Would you like to come in and try a float out? So, um, would you mind giving us just a little bit about you, where you're from, and how you came into the world of drifting? Yeah, sure. So I grew up in Greenville. Uh, I went off to school in Dallas and then moved around a bunch and then came back home to start drift. Um, so back in 2012, uh, I did my first float while I was living in Atlanta. And uh, I heard about it from a friend who just happened to send me a podcast from Joe Rogan. Um, and Joe so I'm right. Joe Rogan, uh, yeah. He's thinking in the, in the float world, right? He's kind of one of y'all's biggest yeah. advocates from what I understand. Honestly, like I could attribute probably 70% of the success of, uh, or at least, you know, float centers opening, uh, people finding out about it. Um, he's just been a huge advocate for it. You could you can ask float centers all over the country uh, how they found out about floating, and I would say at least half of them are going to say Joe Rogan. So he has been extremely nice. instrumental in, in getting this therapy out to the world. Um, so I think everyone in the community is, is extremely grateful for him uh, doing that. And he does have a, I heard you say in your intro, he does have a float tank in his house. So he does it like, I think at least once a week. Um, yeah. And has been doing it for years. So in that podcast, he was talking about, you know, it's great for uh, expanding your mind and evolving your thoughts and just evolving yourself as a person. And so I was really interested in that. Uh, and that's kind of what got me into floating. Now my first float, um, I was so excited to finally try it that I couldn't actually relax because I was just so excited to be there. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I'm laying down. I'm supposed to be doing nothing. Um, right. So that was, was kind of interesting. Uh, but every time I went back, I started to notice my anxiety was down. Um, my PTSD symptoms were just, like, hitting bottom. Like, I would go three weeks without having flashbacks or nightmares and that kind of thing, and um, it was it was really just changing my whole world, and I had no idea that that's where a lot of the research around floating is. Um, so I just kind of experienced it for myself and, and knew that it was something that could help a lot of people, and, and I know that veterans are a group that, you know, obviously struggle with that a lot from being in combat and for other reasons, uh, as well as, you know, uh, first responders, EMTs, police officers, that kind of thing. So we put a real focus on, on helping those groups um, as well as people with chronic pain and, and all sorts of other ailments. Uh, but the, that is kind of our, our cause and mission. 
Well, hey, I, you know, got to love what you're doing. And, you know, as somebody, I grew up in Texas, so I, I know, I think you said you went to SMU, so I've got a little bit of yeah. uh, uh, camaraderie there, um, loving, loving the state of South Carolina. Uh, the state of South Carolina is great, but, you know, Texas is kind of where my heart's at. That's, that's where all my boys are at. <laughs> but, you know, so you had mentioned to me that a lot of this research um, that people started to do kind of came out of Oklahoma. So we'll, We'll continue to, to go through that and, and make uh, um, that a point of conversation here in a moment. But, you know, I, I want to go back to something that you mentioned, and, and I think it's really important for the listeners to understand, you know, it, when you hear like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go do a float, like especially veterans, you know, a bunch of alpha males trying to like, oh, I wouldn't do that. That's hippie crap. You know, I'm, I'm going to jump yeah. in and do this, but I'm not going to do that. You know, and, you know, to say, when I tell, when I tell some of my buddies, yeah, man, I, I really liked yoga, you know, they, they laugh at me and they're like, oh, you know, what's wrong with you? I'm like, no, dude, like, you don't understand, like, what I get out of it. I mean, it's, that was something that I didn't realize until I started, you know, getting out and, and starting to have to go through therapy. Because, I mean, I, you know, my whole time, 10 years in the Marine Corps, I never think, I never thought I had issues. You know, I mean, I knew I wasn't, I knew I wasn't right ahead. Any of my buddies can tell you that, you know, I'm a little quirky, but. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what was going on with me. And then as I, as I kind of started going through counseling and therapy, one of the things they talked to us about is the fact that, you know, veterans just don't know really how to grieve because, you know, it's, if you're out, uh, I had a really great, uh, therapist who had polio when he was a kid and, uh, and Dr. Stein. And, uh, he was, he would tell me, he'd be like, you know, you guys, you are pushing out on patrol, you step on an IED, your buddy steps on an IED what do you do? And I went through the, well, you, you know, gain fire superiority, create a 360 of security, get the casualty to a safe place, render triage, then call for the bird, get him out of there. He's like, okay, so exactly. You just perfectly explained how you would do it in case one of your buddies just died or was missing limbs. But what's the next step? I was like, uh, I mean, he's like, so what do you do after that happens? I was like, uh, you get up and you push on with the patrol, you know? And he's like, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem with you guys is, that's kind of how we run our lives too. So I had all these different events that I had gone through that I had experienced extreme loss or just emotional highs and lows that I didn't, they didn't register to me that they were something that, uh, that were impacting me emotionally because I was so busy all the time that it kept me distracted. Now that my life kind of paced, the, the pace slowed down a bit and I started doing other things. I've really started to notice how, how, what he was telling me was exactly what I needed to hear at that time. And, you know, not only do veterans have their own idea of like what it might be to go do some weird hippie crap. Right. But more than that, um, something that one of my buddies and I were discussing today is, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan war veterans, we are the most different uh, and diverse group of war fighters that have ever come out of a long war. And the problem uh, that we run into that we don't actually take into uh, consideration is the fact that as warfighters, Iraq and Afghanistan guys, that we've never lost. Like, yeah, you've lost guys or you've done this or whatever, but we've never, we didn't lose a war. We haven't lost a war. We've always won in it and we get to put it in our own terms. It'll be like, oh, hey, we got a guy, you know, shooting at us with an AK. Cool. Let me shoot a couple missiles and a crap ton of machine guns at him. So, you know, I mean, like, it's, it's kind of been unfair. So we, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that a lot of guys and gals that have gone down range haven't done extraordinary things and heroic things and just gnarly things. And I'm not saying that maybe small battles haven't been won, but in general, we're accustomed to winning. So we get out with this little bit of arrogance and that arrogance kind of carries over towards a, a like a mentality of, well, I don't need that. I'm fine. I'm cool. And you know, this, now this doesn't affect me because nothing was really that bad. I am, I will tell you wholeheartedly that I'm that person, you know? Um, and so as I started to accept that maybe, you know, I'm a little bit jumpier than normal and that I don't rationalize things the right way, what I have found and why people have started talking with me, I'm like, Hey man, like, I know you don't really want to think about the word PTSD, right? Cause it's a veteran. It scares us on multiple levels. One, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my guns. If somebody ever, you know, decides to pass a bill. It's like, you know, this dude's crazy. Well, you know, I mean, fact is I'm probably one of the guys you want with one and that, and that's just a communal thing. But as we, as we go into the psyche of someone who needs assistance and is getting strung through the ringer um, down and out with, uh, with 
all of their transition. Um, what we don't know how to do is just take us some time and be with ourselves. We don't know how to stop the fast-paced thoughts that are running through our heads all the time and reconnect with our mind. And I think that through floating, one of the things I see being the most beneficial is the ability to really tune everything out. So even if I'm not thinking about something, my body's in pain. So then you get into this chamber and the Epsom salt and the floating and the buoyancy and the water temp, like it takes you away from your pain. And then you're like, wow, it's really weird to have like these pure thoughts. Cause all it is, is me thinking about thought, not well, I'm in pain and I want to do this and having a multitask in my mind of, you know, how to move forward. So I think that what you were able to afford me the opportunity to do and float is something that can have huge rewards in the veteran community. So you talked a little bit about um, having, having some PTSD. I mean, um, would you mind kind of talking me through how it helped you uh, through, through your transition and your experiences and, and, and what it's like, what it's been like? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty open with, with discussing PTSD. Um, and I know that it's not something that everybody's super comfortable with. So, uh, I hope that, you know, nothing I say triggers anybody who's listening, but you know, my background, obviously I'm not a veteran. Um, I have PTSD from some sexual trauma and it really, you know, I mean, it's just really impacted my life, uh, over the last, I guess, seven, eight years. Um, and for, for many years, it was just, you know, a constant battle, um, every day, like some days were better than others as, as many experience. Uh, I think the commonalities between civilian PTSD and, and veteran PTSD is that, you know, we tend to have a lot of the same symptoms, you know, it's the same sort of thing going on in the brain where we're stuck in fight or flight. Uh, you know, and the, and the great thing about floating is that it actually turns off that fight or flight response and gets you back mm-hmm. in your parasympathetic nervous system. Um, and that's kind of how it's functioning to get us back to, to a baseline. Um, so for me, what I experienced was, you know, I was dealing with a lot of flashbacks, a lot of nightmares, um, a lot of just, uh, negative thought towards myself. Uh, there's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of shame that you have to work through. Um, so it, it became a, a sort of, um, respite for me and a, and a safe environment for me to deal with those things or even not deal with those things like sometimes I just went into the float tank and I was just able to you know completely let go of everything um what's interesting is some of my trauma had to deal with with being in the water and so it it doesn't really make sense that I wouldn't get triggered by the float tank but Mm. I don't and I think it's just because it is yeah I think it's because it's such a different environment so for me, it was, you know, the pool and the ocean and, and that being a real issue for me um, personally. So, but, but being in the float tank is so different. One of, one of the things about it is that it's Epsom salt. There's a thousand pounds of Epsom salt in there. So, And that's per person that's floating, right? Good. Sorry? That's per person that's floating, a thousand pounds, huh? Yeah, yeah, there's a thousand pounds in the water. Um, keeping you completely supported. So once you're still and once the water has kind of evened out, you are, it's kind of like laying on a mattress of water. Like you are just completely supported and, and you can't really feel the water after a while. So, you know, I think. I try to drown myself. Like I try to like go down to the bottom and (laughs) see if I like, I can hold myself down in the bottom of this tank and yeah, you just elevated right back up. I mean, it was like, it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Like I think everyone at some point like pushes their hands down to the bottom, trying to keep them down there and you just pop right back up. So it's, um, it's a really cool environment. I think, you know, 
uh, one of the terms for, for float therapy is sensory deprivation. I think that mm-hmm. scares a lot of people, especially in the military, right. knowing the history of that as a, as a device. Um, but this is not really sensory deprivation. This is more like mm-hmm. sensory reduction. So, because yeah. um, if you move, you're going to feel the water. If you know you start yeah. to breathe, you're going to hear your own breath. So it's not, it's not this environment that's ever going to take you down a negative pathway. Um, oh man, I I got to tell you, I, I mean, like you and I have, you know, we've known each other for, you know, about six months or so now, but when I came in there and, and you showed it to me, I was I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit, I was nervous. I was truly, uh, I was afraid mm-hmm. of, because the thing I'm most afraid of is my own head, like in, hearing my own thoughts, like scares the crap out of me. Right. Yeah. So I listen to loud music and I do everything I can to stay away from, you know, just quiet because I have tinnitus in both ears. So if it's quiet, all I hear is, Ah, like all the time and it's like all right crap but you I got in there and you were just you were so gracious and just so relaxing and you're like it's cool everything I think I even got a hug from you before I'm like okay I think I'm good I just need a hug real quick you're like okay no worries yeah everything's fine you know and you had I had my own room and uh you know a nice shower and like the music that was playing was just super relaxing and the lights and the way that they kind of like they start out a little bit brighter and they work down. And then when you're waking, when you're coming back to, I say waking up, but I mean, you know, essentially you're, you're coming back into the, into the free thought world. And, uh, you know, you've, uh, you've, you, the lights kind of wake you up slowly and the music picks back up and it's just a genuinely relaxing experience. And that's something I don't think, I can't tell you the last time I was able to just truly relax. And it was, it was such a nice break and reprieve from, my constant daily chronic pain and, you know, and my, and what goes on in my head. So, I, I mean, I think that a lot of the things that I've read so far, I mean, specifically that research center up in Oklahoma, you know, one of, one of the things that they said is, you know, as you stated, the shutting off the fight or flight um, is, is what it's really good at because it, it allows you to just kind of calm down and be clear and, uh, and constant with your thoughts without the distractions that we've taught ourselves to use to, to get away from those thoughts that, that we dislike so much. And, you know, I like, I like that uh, uh, in one of the research studies that I saw, it was talking about, you know, the long-term and short-term relief and benefits of floating. And it said that, you know, meditation is super important because that's, that's really one of the ways you can start to help your brain heal and get through some of those bad emotional triggers. But, the float take has been said to be kind of like the training wheels of meditation. So like if for, for somebody who's never really meditated before and has never had to try, really try to just be one with their thoughts. Like I think that floating is an outstanding opportunity to give that a shot. And I mean, there's float tanks in pretty much all the major cities now. Am I, am I right? Yeah. Yeah. And if they're not there yet, they're coming. Like it's, it's growing and it's, it's booming right now to your point. Um, obviously meditation is a wonderful tool for just mindfulness throughout our day and checking in with ourselves and making sure that we're really connected to who we are and, and what we're dealing with in that moment. Um, and, and what I've found, so <laughs> one of the things that, that monks do is they are trying to get into what's known as a theta state. So when we go Mm -hmm. to sleep, you know, we're either in alpha or delta. uh, But right before you go to sleep, you get to this place that's a theta state. And you're kind of right in between awake and asleep. And it's a super creative place to be. It's it's a wonderful um, state of mind to get to. And that's sort of what monks are trying to get to when they meditate. And, and it can take them, you know, eight hours. It can take them years of, of, of meditation to get there. In the float tank, it happens effortlessly. So it is a training mm-hmm. wheel for meditation, but it's also like you don't have to be an expert in meditation. You don't have to have ever done meditation before, and you can get to that place in one, two, three, six floats, you know, um, which right. is a really incredible experience. What I found was so amazing is I went in there with a preconceived notion of I'm going to go in there and I need to focus on this so that I can come out 
you know, because I'm a planner, right? <laughs> it's that military mind. <laughs> right. I'm going to go in. This is what's going to happen, and I'm going to come out with this result. Well, truth is I went in there, and I tried to think about that, and then my mind wandered off and just kind of I, – I ultimately – I think I fell asleep. I don't know. I, I just kind of remember coming to, and, I mean, I, some of the reviews that I've seen say, you know, because I did a, I did a, an hour, hour and a half float. It felt like 20 minutes, and apparently that's a common feeling for guys and gals coming out of this because you're just you, – you lose track of time, and I think that's beautiful in and of itself. Um, I, I, yeah. I like seeing some of the, uh, the statements that are starting to come out, um, just about different ways to, to get outside of the VA, uh, to, to find help for yourself. And I know, you know, floating is not for everybody. I get that. Um, you're going to, you're going to have, uh, different folks that respond to different things. Um, and I, by no means am I trying to impress or push this upon someone unwillingly, but I mean, you have to go in because, you're, you know that you want to gain something out of it. And all I would urge anybody that's listening to do is just go in with an open mind because like really you being able to calm me down and, and say like, Hey man, you're cool. And at any point in time, if you start to feel claustrophobic, you can open up the tank and you know, you can leave the lights on if you want. I mean, it's just, it was something that I didn't expect. And you know, as somebody that uses CBD uh, on a daily basis, you even recommended, you're like, Hey, like we've got some CBD, up here, like if you really need to calm down because you're stressed, like, you know, I, I thought that was cool uh, because I'm, I truly believe that CBD is, is a way to um, help a lot of vets and just anybody in general kind of move forward through pain, through anxiety, through depression. And I know that it helps yeah. because I use it and I've got a bunch of buddies that use it. And so when, when these studies are talking about the different things that you get out of it, you know, they, something that they highlight is called the rest, right? Because everybody loves acronyms, but it's restricted environment simulation therapy or sensory deprivation or isolation. Um, and, and when you hear that, it sounds ominous, <laughs> you know, and I, I think that's right. kind of where my head yeah. was at uh, when I first came in, but, you know, had my little CBD pen, took a couple toots off my CBD pen, hopped in the tank, and I, I couldn't have had a better time uh, just getting lost in my own head without pain. I, it was, I, I, yeah, I can't say enough about how wonderful the experience was, but is there anything you want to like touch on with the, with the listeners and, uh, you know, make sure that, that they get out there and, you know, if they have questions, they, they, you know, you feel like are kind of common questions. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so as far as, you know, finding a float center goes, there's a great website called flotationlocations.com. Uh, they have, um, a really nice directory of a lot of the different float centers in the country and outside of the country. So uh, there are places in Japan and Germany, um, a lot of places where people are stationed. Um, so if, if you're active military, you can find it as well. Um, and, you know, of course, the military is starting to adopt it as well. Uh, you know, the Navy SEALs are using it. There's a lot of different branches starting to kind of integrate it. Uh, right. As far as PTSD goes, there are so many tools out there um, outside of just therapy. You know, I've done EMDR. That's that's very helpful mm -hmm. uh, for getting down to, you know, some specific things that, that might bring up symptoms. Um, and, and, kind and for of those who don't know, what does EMDR stand for? Eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and, and basically you do it with a trained therapist. Uh, you right. kind of find, you know, what um, thought or negative belief you have about yourself from your trauma uh, that you need to tackle and kind of refocus uh, on and, and reframe in your mind. And it really does help with, with symptoms. Um, but it can be a very, very hard process. So I found that, you know, floating – um, using CBD uh, when I was in legal places, of course, using medical marijuana, I think is a great tool for people. Um, and then, uh, you know, I actually did some improv, some theater, uh, kind of anything that will help you kind of get out of your shell. I think PTSD, depression, anxiety, any of those mental um, aspects are, are really going to help get you into a place where you're way too serious sometimes and sometimes you just got to lighten up. So I found that, you know, doing some improv classes, doing some things that kind of got me out of my comfort zone helped me mm -hmm. tremendously. 
Um, but it's really just about what works for you. So uh, the great thing about floating is that you don't really have to do any work with it. You don't have to go in there with a plan, uh, which I know you did, and a lot of people do, and a lot of people are nervous about being with their own thoughts and that kind of thing. But it it really is just a situation where you lay down, you do nothing, you let the float tank just do the work for you, and you just focus on breathing, and that's it. And um, and and incredible things will happen. Uh, and and give it a few tries. That that's the biggest thing. Is you know like yeah. my first float, I didn't fully get it. But by my third float, I wanted to open a center. So it's, you yeah. know, it, it's really about getting to that place where you're like, oh, this makes sense. Um, well, and, and you've got an amazing story, and I truly appreciate everything you've shared with us. I know it's, it's never easy to talk about things that you've been through but, uh, that, that, are, that are emotionally taxing. But I really appreciate how genuine and, and open you, you were with us and that listeners today. Um, and, you know, just, just – for my listeners, uh, throw a few statistics out there. So it's believed that about 20% of Iraq and Afghanistan veterans have PTSD or suffer from some type of uh, post-war stress, anxiety, or depression. Um, and and a lot of folks are finding themselves uh, in, a, in a cycle, whether it's in the, the healthcare system that they're able to afford on their own or the VA, um, that they're willing to stack you with a bunch of meds and tell you that this is how you should feel, but they don't really give you a lot of ways that can help you to retrain yourself. So it's, it's been said that relaxation is a learned art and it, it takes practice and you have to, that's why it's called a meditation practice. And when you hear the, the yogis and the, and the funky fro- folks that are, you know, all crunchy coming out and saying, Oh, I've been way out of practice lately, but it, it's because it, it truly is. It, it takes time to refine the skill. It takes time to um, be able to get to the place where you can actually heal inside of your head and not just, trying to say, I'm meditating, I'm meditating, I'm meditating, which is how, when I first started, that's how I felt all the time. I just, it was, it was a little bit too forced, but, uh, you know, I, I think that um, what you've got going on, um, what you've got uh, and your story is something that should be heard and, and, and sent out um, through the nation, and, and people need to know that there are there are alternatives out there to just piling on a bunch of, uh, uh, bunch of medications and getting a toxic toxicology report or toxicology report or whatever, you know, oh, well, it looks like, uh, you know, this one puts you up too high. Let's take you back down on this one and then back up to this one. And then yeah, we'll see where you fell. Well, now I'm on 16 meds a day. Thanks doc. So, you know, uh, CBD, uh, doing these kind of floats, EMDR. Uh, I, I, I know that, um, I have, uh, you know, some alpha wave stimulation stuff that I do at the house. I have just these little clips that uh, I got from the TBI clinic and uh, the traumatic brain injury clinic. Um, and if, if you're a veteran and, and you think you might have some of the signs and symptoms of PTSD or TBI, just know that they're a lot of times very similar um, and can be misdiagnosed as one or the other. <clears throat> but when it comes to your VA claim, don't allow the VA to couple your PTSD symptoms into a TBI claim uh, and then give you less benefits because of it. If you have an emotional disturbance, if you have PTSD, it sucks. It's not something that's fun to talk about, but be honest, be honest with your loved ones, be honest with your care providers and be honest with yourself because one day that could really catch up to bite you. And, and the last thing I want to see is another, uh, another soldier, airman, Marine, uh, or sailor fall to, to the the grips of suicide, um, here in the nation. So find people out in your community like the Kelly's, um, you'll find that a lot of these float t- uh, tanks, uh, as I found as I've done my research for the show, um, they're very uh, military and veteran friendly. A lot of them will give a, a military discount. Um, I know, Kelly, um, I, I believe you give a military and first responder discount. Am I, am I correct? Yeah, we give 10% off to veterans on everything, uh, whether you do a membership, which is a, another discounted service. So, um, yeah, military veterans, first responders, uh, we're always going to support you. Well, much love. And, and thank you so much for being such a, a an important um, resource inside of our community that to help people find find extra ways to, to get out and about and do new things and, and try something new. I always, always trying to tell guys to try something new. So um, as always, Kelly, thank you so much. You're uh, a true joy to have a conversation with and 
and your knowledge that you've brought to the table today is outstanding. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give a plug for uh, Warfighter Hemp. Uh, they are out of South Carolina, uh, owned and operated by a Marine. Um, found out about them here recently, and uh, they're they're a really great resource for CBD. Uh, if you do live in a state where it's legal, you know, go to your go to your local shop and tell them, hey, I'm I'm having anxiety, depression, and pain. And a lot of times you'll find that they have uh, a different strain that can work right then and there for you. Um, if you're in service, don't ruin something good that you've got going on just because you're going through a tough time. Don't go to the use of drugs and get yourself kicked out because I tell you, I would have, I would have done my contract 10 times over if I could have. And uh, I, I lost a lot of really good Marines to, to get kicked out because they had some PTSD issues that they didn't address and didn't talk about. And they ended up, you know, going and seeking substances to try and uh, fill that void because ultimately that's what we're all trying to do is fill a void. So um, if you're in service, you know that we love you, we respect you, and we want you to stay in. So don't, don't ruin something. Just seek help and don't become a statistic. But uh, Kelly, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and let you go. Um, and uh, if anybody here in the Greenville area or uh, who's coming to visit the Greenville area wants to go and check out Kelly's location, uh, it's driftgreenville.com. Um, and she's got uh, an awesome site at uh, 644 North Main Street uh in greenville um and they've they've got a, a wonderful setup uh you've got three tanks right yeah we do and and thank you so much for having me on today i really appreciate the opportunity to help spread the message and and help people as i can and if anybody ever wants to contact me directly uh for support or advice um, please do so my email is kelly at driftgreenville.com Thank you so much, Kelly, and uh, I look forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, thanks, Chad. Have a great day. You too. Take care. Have a good weekend. All right, guys. Uh, so that was an awesome time chatting with uh, with Kelly from uh, our, our local float location. I know if uh, if you're somebody who doesn't really know what we're talking about or is not really interested in that, that might have been a little odd. Uh, but we've got bigger and better things to move on to now, and we're gonna we're gonna rock and roll, and we're gonna talk about. Uh, something that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, got uh, uh, the final leg of the Marine Raider Memorial Ruck March is uh, is being finalized today. It should have just wrapped up over there at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Um, as those of you in the Marine community and MARSOC community know, uh, an a, uh, a C-130 went down um, here a couple years ago, and uh, it, it took with it half of a, a team of Raiders and you know it was it was something that uh unfortunately uh was now on repeat because we we lost a helicopter uh in 2015 um with another seven guys half of the team so uh these guys kicked off from uh uh Navarre Florida uh in from the crash in 2015 and uh they decided to replicate the march and uh they kicked off from from the crash site out in Mississippi um all the way up to uh, to Camp Lejeune. And for those of you who don't know, uh, a ruck march, you put on weight um, and, and you push some distance. So um, what these guys did is uh, they put on something and they created two-man teams. Uh, in the first helicopter crash that went down, um, one of my old executive officers from 1st Battalion, 7th Marines, uh, Ford Shaw, as well as uh, six of my six other uh, Marines went down and uh, that uh, – that was a big deal. That was a big deal when it happened. And, and uh, it, it was amazing to see the community stand up and say, we want to do something to, to respect these guys. And the one thing that they were able to find out of the crash site that survived was, uh, was the paddle, um, the, the Marine Raider paddle that they had for the team. So they, they, they marched that paddle all the way from the crash site out in Florida um, up to, up to Camp Lejeune. Uh, and, and, you know, it was something I remember I was in school at the time, um, at Raider school. And, uh, you know, it was, we all kind of had to take a minute and catch our breaths, um, and, and just realize what had happened. I mean, you, when you lose about 1% of the population of the, the community that you're trying to be in, um, in one day, it's a big deal. And, uh, so it happening a second time with the, with the same, uh, Raider team and another training incident and another aerial accident, um, it was devastating. So, um, these guys, uh, uh, Nate Harris, um, 
he, he's he's been putting this on and uh, took it upon himself to, to commemorate his uh, his fallen brothers. And uh, so they're kicking off, or they kicked off that that march here. What about a week ago? It was on the uh, the 14th. On the 14th, they kicked it off, and uh, and they went rock and rolling, and uh, and they went 24 hours uh, every day. Uh, there was two guys or gals uh, on the ground with the paddle and, and the Raider flag, and uh, they kept that that momentum going, and they made it all the way up and through through Georgia, through South Carolina, uh, up into North Carolina, pushed through Wilmington, North Carolina, went to uh, one of our local bars uh, Raiders like to frequent and then um, uh, made their way up to uh, Camp Lejeune this afternoon and finalized the, the march. And uh, it's something uh, you may have seen it on Fox News. You may have seen it uh, some different places. It's a, it's an outstanding um, thing that they do to commemorate some of our buddies uh, that, that fell. And, you know, so right now uh, what I'd like to do is I'd, I'd like to introduce a good buddy of mine, um, you know, in my work, working with uh, the, uh, 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 veteran community here in Greenville, South Carolina, I found that there are people that you'll run into that blow your mind at how close they were around you. You just never knew it, especially in the veteran community. So I'm up at the Highland Games uh, up at Furman University, and a, a gentleman came walking up, and we started talking about being Marines, and you know, he's got a tattoo on his forearm um, to commemorate his C-130. And you know, So we got to talking, and it turns out um, he was actually – in air crew with uh, with a bunch of those guys that uh, that went down uh, with my fellow Raiders. Um, so uh, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and bring on my buddy Ryan and uh, introduce him. He's a local Green Villian and former Marine. Hey brother, how you doing? I'm I'm getting there today. Uh, tired after a 13 hour night shift, but not too bad. Good. Right on. Right on. So uh, tell me a little bit about uh, your military service, what you did, and uh, and um, how you knew the the guys that were on board. Uh, so I uh, went to boot camp back in 2008, Paris Island, you know, where, where all real Marines go. Um, <laughs> uh, hey, whatever. I was a Hollywood Marine. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> we had mountains. You had sand fleas. Whatever. <laughs> all right. That's fair. Uh, no, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I enlisted, uh, I, I enlisted as a reservist. That's the, the one, the one regret I have is I wish I'd gone active duty, but you know, that, you know, bushes were horses and beggars would eat a horse. Um, I I, uh, I did my air crew school training in Pensacola, Florida, and I also did a follow-on training down there, the introduction to jet engine maintenance. Went to my C school up in Cherry Point, North Carolina, where I uh, went to the actual training course uh, that that um, specialized in engine maintenance on legacy C-130s, because uh, my squadron had you know like we had an upgrade to the J model yet. And then I went up to New York, did all my ground school follow-on flight training, got my wings, um, and I tried to activated as much as possible because you can't be an air crew reservist you, you really can't you have to you have to come in all the time to keep your qualifications up uh and and you know seeing as how this is a you know one of our birds that went down of the nine marines on board from uh from my squadron bmgr 452 i knew seven of them personally um and you know one of the guy one of the flight engineers on board he was one of my best friends and uh he, yeah, he was supposed to be at my wedding, you know, that occurred, you know, a few months after the crash. So, I mean, it was, it, that was something that, you know, really, really hit home for me, you know, because it, it was one of those things I got to call it, you know, one of the morning from another air crew buddy of mine saying, hey, you know, we just lost a bird. And the, the, the first thing that, you know, first thing that went to my mind was, oh, God, I hope Owen wasn't on board. Uh, unfortunately, he was. Uh but yeah, you know, it's just it's one of those things. You know, I I've got this connection with these guys, um, and like as Chad was saying, you know, ran into him randomly at the uh, at the Highland Games, and and uh, and you know he he commented on the tattoo I had on my forearm, which actually got done by my former barracks manager, who also knew a lot of these Marines too. So like, <laughs> was it? Oh wait, wait, you got a tattoo? That's a bricks tattoo. It's a bricks tattoo that happened in Anderson, South Carolina, at an actual <laughs> at an actual oh, tattoo shop. Yeah, okay, the guy okay. used to. Uh, all right, all right. Uh, Walt Patrick, he works at, uh, uh, I'm, 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 you can think of it in a minute. Yeah, I'll think of it in a minute. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh Vanguard tattoo down there in Anderson, South Carolina okay. for anyone interested. Uh, you know, uh, uh, he, he, he's going to Clemson for fine heart. He, he texted me out of the blue one day. He's like, Hey man, I started apprenticing at a tattoo studio. Um, as far as I know from your Facebook, you don't have any, uh, you don't have any ink commemorating, uh, Yankee seven, two. Would you like the hookup? I was like, absolutely. So. That, you know, this guy, Walt Patrick, who, who knew most of these Marines on board, um, you know, he, you know, it was, it was personal for him, personal for me. 
And then, you know, Chad saw it at the Highland Games. It's like, wait a minute. I, what's, what's that C-130 on your arm? And I was like, oh, yeah, it's, uh, it's for our Marines that we lost. And that's how I found out, you know, he was from the East, uh, you know, Marsoc community. And, and I was just one of those, you know, random random encounters but you know that that just goes to show how how small the veteran community is but also how small the marine community is and like how intertwined we all are absolutely we had you know i mean it's crazy i was you know i uh i I don't pull punches at you know i i'm someone that went through marine raider school twice um you know i got i tore my shoulder out the first time and then subsequently got injured uh the second time but you know it was uh because of that i ended up knowing you know three guys on the first Raider seven that fell. And then, you know, another three that I, I knew well, um, one of them being Billy Kundrat. Um, and, uh, after I got injured, you know, he was my, he was my instructor at the time. And, um, you know, I, I had a lot of admiration for him. He was, a, he was another machine gunner. I was a machine gunner. We were both a little bit, a little bit, uh, crusty, you know, a little salty and, uh, you know, but he always had, he always had something going on. I can remember, um, uh, my buddy and I were talking about it here recently when I was, uh, when I was going through assessment and selection, um, me and my buddy Tom, like we were crushing it, man. We were having a, we were like, we had a, a big team event and we were pushing through and doing great things. And, and like, we were, we ultimately, we were, we were in the, in the lead. We just didn't know it, but he like in true Billy form, like looked at us. He's like, I don't know why you guys are singing songs. And we're like, well, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know. We're just like trying to keep morale up. And he's like, yeah, well, morale needs to go up or you can go sleep in the woods. <laughs> like, wait, what dude? Like, wait, like, you, you, you know, morale, or no, some, some along the lines of, you know, morale can be up, but, you know, if you don't make it to your objective, you're going to sleep in the woods. And I'm like, yo, dude, like, what are you talking about, man? We're crushing it. And then we were the first team back, you know, so we got to, like, actually hit hot showers and every, you know, because the later you come back, the the less uh, hot water there is. So, you know, but that was the first time I ran into him, man. And I was, you know, I was like, I was a boot in the community, you know, and then, uh, uh, and then he ended up being my instructor over at, uh, over at the schoolhouse back in 2015. So, and I was, I was in school when the first, when the first crash happened uh, with uh, another reserve um, unit and they were, they were on a, uh, you know, a UH-60 helicopter. So, you know, I mean, it's crazy. And the fact that he had this tattoo that, you know, my buddy here had a, has tattoo on his arm. It it just, it was like, wait a second, that's one of the most reliable birds that the Marine Corps and like the service has to offer. Like there's, gotta be is it and then i mean sure enough man it, it was you know it was, it was the same crash i mean I, I remember where i was at you know last year um so what what ryan and i've been doing is is really just hanging out staying close with each other um he went down to the uh the kickoff for the uh the raider memorial ruck march uh last week and uh two weekends two, two, ago. yeah two weekends two, ago two weekends ago yeah, and because yeah, uh, the, the crash happened on uh on 10 july um in 2017 and then uh uh you know with with the uh you know, marine raider foundation the wingman foundation uh, battle hurt project all that stuff they all came together and uh and they were able to you know uh plan fund and construct a memorial that was set up at the uh w- where all the rescue efforts were coordinated there right in Itabia, mississippi uh, across the street from mississippi valley state university which fun fact that's where jerry rice wants college um okay yeah <laughs> uh but uh like so, I, I was able to get down there for that for the dedication of the memorial, and uh, and it was it was really moving to be able to see all the raiders, you know, and then they're in their matching gear, uh, you know, get you know, you know, kick off this uh, this memorial march. I mean, you know, uh, in the wing, you know, as we like to say, swing with the wing, we do things our own way. Um, but it was it was really moving to see how how uh, you know Second Raider Battalion was able to bring their guys home in their own way, and it was it was something I never would have dreamed of, you know, 900 miles in two weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, like, I, I know they were going 24 seven yep. and they were switching out teams, but still just the, the logistics behind it, the ability to push through. I mean, for, for us, it's, you know, free flight a plane and go, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, you guys are ground pounders and, and you, you found a way to honor them in, in your own particular fashion. And that was just, it, it, it left me astounded and just you know, like, I, I was I was proud. I was heartbroken. I was uh, I was I was just washed over with emotion. And I don't really, I still can't really put it into words. But it was it, it was an event like none other. One that I hope we never have to see again. But I'm glad that you know they're they're able to commemorate them in, in a way that's very specific to Second Raider Battalion. And we've got to you know I mean you've got to give love to uh, all of the the first responders and everybody that was out there on scene on the crash. But I mean with this Memorial Ruck March. 
you know, they're going through county after county, state after state, city after city, and the outpouring of love and connectivity that was shown by everybody uh, as they made their way through really, really is a testament to how patriotic this country still is. No matter how divided we are, we can all come together under one cause, and um, we never want to see the loss of our brothers. I, I think it's it's easier to pallet somebody falling uh, overseas, yeah. you know, and you're like, yeah, well, he was he was doing fun stuff, man. He was, you know, he was lobbing grenades and, and slinging lead and, you know, so he did what he, he, he felt doing what he loved. But, you know, I mean, ultimately, even in, even here in the States, you know, you still gotta, uh, gotta realize that there are sacrifices made, not just time away, but potential for, for loss of life. And, um, but what a beautiful way to go about it. I mean, you've got, yeah, 14 guys and gals that, uh, each comprised, uh, uh, seven, seven teams, two folks per uh, per team and they would push through. And I mean, doing pushing 900 miles in that amount of time is already an astronomical feat, but these guys, they threw on rucksacks and they were, you know, they had about 60 pounds or so 45 to 60 pounds for the kit uh, inside of their backpack or their rucks are actually. Yeah. Yeah. They're called, yeah, yeah, they're like, pig eggs. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, I just, I, I know it was a, uh, it, it was a uh, uh, soil that was taken from the crash site. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was, the whole idea was, you know, you know, it's like, you know, bring the guys back home and then yeah. plant a tree, you know, to, to keep their memory growing wow. and keep it alive. Wow, I didn't know that. That's yeah. cool. So, yeah, um, you know, Ryan's been able to open my eyes to a lot of the things that went on uh, down there. I would, unfortunately, even though I had the invite to go down, I wasn't able to make it down to the event myself. And to be honest, um, still really fresh with me. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know if I could emotionally kind of handle the the situation. Um, yeah. There's a lot of things going on on a daily basis that, you know, I'm, I have to be part of, uh, for, for my organization. And it's it, like, it was, it just looked to be something that was going to be emotionally taxing to the point to where I didn't know, uh, timeline wise, if we were going to make it back and then with work. So it, it, it bummed me out, but I was so glad that Ryan was down there and he was able to kind of give me play by plays and send me pictures and, and talk to me about what was going on. And I, I think that, uh, in, in us having communication, I was able to kind of help him through his dealing with the loss that he was feeling as well. So, um, you know, I, I kind of want to open it up. You know, you, you said a lot about uh, who you interacted with while you were down there uh, to me. And, you know, you were saying about the firefighters and how they just, they weren't prepared for. Oh what yeah. They had to deal like, with. like and, and especially with a, with, with a mishap like this, uh, you know your your standard your standard fire service, and I, I know a lot of the stuff because one of my best friends from college, he's a full time firefighter from Virginia, and you know the stuff that they have for structure fires is designed specifically for structure fires. You know they're not going to be, you know, not not you know jet fuel hot. Um, so with uh with with anything aviation related, you know the the amount of extra specialized training they have to go through, the uh, special equipment they have to have, like uh, if you've ever seen the silver suits that they wear on on a flight line, um, like that stuff is designed to you know reflects really high heat well these volunteer firefighters out in lafleur county and sunflower county mississippi didn't have that kind of equipment and i had i had the honor of being able to meet with a lot of these first responders and ask them uh, about their experience with it and all, all these the, the, what what really got to me was all these guys said that even with with the equipment that wasn't designed for this kind of uh this kind of work they would have waded right back into the fire today if it happened. And, uh, and another thing, you know, on board this aircraft, you know, they, they had a pallet of munitions and stuff. So not only were they dealing with the extreme heat of the jet fuel burning and trying to recover bodies, but on top of that, they were also getting shot at as rounds cooked off. You know, I think they had 40 millimeter grenades on there. Um, and they, uh, you know, it's like, like, you know, the extreme heat was cooking off these rounds. So, and these guys were, 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 were wading into these fires. One of the, one of the firefighters I talked to, he said one of the 40 mic mic grenades cooked off and it blew off his mask and his helmet. And he was 50 yards away. And he's like, he, he picked it up and kept walking towards the fire. Yeah. And didn't, didn't even think twice about, about running or anything like that. And that, that is a true testament to, you know, uh, you know, these first responders out there, especially since they're all volunteers, you know, like it's a, it's yeah. a small community out there. Yeah. They're not, they're not paid professional firefighters. They are yeah. all, they all have day jobs, but they're, they, you know, like, like this went down and they said, okay, that's where we need to be. And they immediately went to it. And uh, I have nothing but the utmost respect for, for these first responders. 
And like I said, I had the pleasure to, to meet with and talk with a bunch of them about their experience. And it was really, really uh, helpful for me being able to, to talk with these guys and, and, you know, see the hard work that they went through to ensure that our brothers, every single one of them made it home. And, and yeah. you know, the danger that they faced to be able to make sure that we all got to give our brothers a proper sign off was just absolutely overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, you know, who'd have thought that, you know, a Navy or I'm sorry, a reserve unit out of New York with some folks from, uh, from North Carolina would crash in the middle of a field, you know, a farmer's field and, uh, in Mississippi, I mean, you know, LaFleur County, Mississippi, like that's not something that you hear about every day. So obviously this was something that it shook the communities. And, uh, the one thing that, uh, that Ryan brought back that I, I thought was, was really, really impressive. Um, uh, was it, uh, was it Harris? That said it? Nate? Yeah. It was uh, Nate. And, uh, so he, he said, you know, in, in so many words that, while they may be gone, the one thing we can do is just remember them by, you know, by saying their names and, and thinking about them on a daily basis. And, you know, I think that's, that's a, a good way to understand how to move forward for anybody. And if, you, if you've dealt with loss, if you're dealing with loss and you're struggling, just know that you're not alone. Know that there's somebody out there that's willing to fight for you. Um, and, and that, you know, as you move on in your life, you're going to go through extreme loss. You're going to, you're going to have loss. You're going to have ups. You're going to have downs. But the one thing that you and I, uh, and those of us that have served know is you've got somebody there that's always going to have your back. And those are your brothers. And these guys, I uh, can't say enough for, for what they've done to really step up to, to remember and honor and commemorate their brothers. Uh, you know, and it, it's one of those things we've got to think about the families and, and the loss that they had to deal with, uh, you know, thinking, well, they're just going on a training mission, no big deal. And then, you know, that was the last time they spoke with them is, is incredibly impactful to me. So um, I'm, I'm someone that I, I don't care what you say, man. Every time I see my mom and my dad, I give them a hug. And I say, I love them, you know, but express gratuity, uh, show those around you that you love them and know that you are loved and you are worth it. Don't ever put yourself down enough to think that uh, the suicide is a proper answer to any problem that you're having. Find resources, find things to do, get out there, go and do a float, find a float spot, go and find a counselor, go to the vet center, do the things that you need to do because your community, I promise you, cares about you. Whether it's in your local hometown or whether it's the community that you left in the military, you should always know that somebody's out there and has your back. Make a phone call out to that brother that you think might be struggling. And if you're struggling, make a phone call out and let somebody know. Um, as we uh, as we go ahead and start wrapping up, um, I'm going to be uh, leaving here on an adventure uh, in August. I'm, I'm going to go to uh, 270 miles down the uh, down the Colorado River uh, out in Arizona. Um, it's kind of my my big. Uh, adventure if you will i mean when i got out of the marine corps i thought that uh, i was going to climb the appalachian trail one day and i can tell you that physically i'm no longer capable of doing that so i've had a whole bunch of different ways in my head of like getting out there and doing things and trying to fill that void that i felt from you know not being able to carry carry a ruck anymore like my brothers that just finished this ruck march uh but you can always find something to connect yourself to with and through and for me, this next one's going to be with the Arizona River Runners, and uh, we're going to fly out to Vegas, and then uh, me and uh, one of my one of my buddies that was a corpsman in Third Battalion, Fifth Marines, uh, Dark Horse, much loved at all of those who uh, whoever fell under their guide on. Um, I'm going to be going down the river with uh, with him and uh, and nine new friends, and I'm I'm very much so looking forward to it. Uh, it's going to be a, a life changing experience. Is how is it? Uh, it's explained to me. So um, I'll be doing that. I look forward to getting back on the hook and, uh, and filling y'all in on, on what the latest and greatest in the, uh, the veteran outdoor activity community looks like. Um, if you're someone that wants to give back to the communities, find yourself a, a local veteran nonprofit, do the research. Um, if you want to help out with the, uh, the Marines that fell from MARSOC, uh, the MARSOC foundation, uh, Semper Fi fund uh, and the Marine Raider Memorial Ruck March uh, are all ways that you can go into uh, looking to, to contribute to these guys and gals that are that are doing uh, what we need to, to remember our brothers. And, uh, you know, um, 
and, and also to add on to that, um, you know, he spoke specifically for the, the Marine Raiders, but uh, for for Marine and Naval Aviation, there's also uh, something called the Wingman Foundation, which is designed specifically to help uh, uh, you know, family members of, of fallen uh, Marine and Naval aviators um, and, and their associated air crews. So that's another good uh, another good um, you know, charity that that you know if you that you yeah I'm having difficulty with words right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, but that, that's that's another really good foundation. Like like I said, the Wingman Foundation. Um, you know, it's it's not you know, cheesy, like Val Kilmer saying, I'll be your wingman anytime. Like these guys actually do some really, really good work. Um, and I've seen firsthand, you know, uh, what, what they've been able to do for, you know, uh, the fallen family or for the family members of the fallen from the guys from my squadron. So, um, yeah, thank you. That was, that was actually what I was going to get at. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not as well versed with the, uh, with the air wing side of the house. So I'm happy that I could have my, my buddy Ryan on here with me today and, uh, and we could push through this. Um, I thank all of you who are serving, have served, or are a spouse of someone that has served. Um, we are always thinking about you, have you in our hearts and our prayers. Um, if you are out and you want to do something to get back into the community, do the research. Find the people that are out and about in your community, and you will find an extreme amount of love that is that is out there that you can latch onto. So, um, Always be your own advocate, guys and gals. Always be your own advocate. Doc's not here to get us to sit call anymore. We have to advocate for ourselves, all right? Don't let the VA get you down. If you ever need anything, you can always hit me up on my uh, my Facebook um, for the Military Hour with Chad Wooten. Um, you can also comment uh, below. Uh, always remember that you can find us on iTunes. Uh, here in about 24 hours, this show will be on iTunes, um, as well as uh iHeartRadio, uh, and, and as always, thank you to the Lions Radio Network for uh, allowing me to do what I do, uh, and Donna Lyons and her uh, amazing family. Um, I hope they're well down in Texas right now, and uh, we will talk to you next month. Ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate your time. Semper Fidelis. Uh. Okay, cool.